Welcome back to another episode of The Set Position. My name is Cole Orner, along with my co-host, Zach Kruger. And we do have a special guest on with us. So, Jake, I will go ahead and let you introduce yourself, and then we can kind of get rolling from there. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, name's Jake Gillespie. I went to Shippensburg University, played D2 there for two years um, before I got my fifth concussion, decided to call it quits, and then I got into coaching about a week thereafter, and uh, that's what I'm still doing now. Very nice. So where are you coaching at now, Zach? Jake? So I'm at a club in Schuylkill County called West Schuylkill FC. I'm the goalkeeping director there. Very nice. Where is Schuylkill County? Because no one does yeah. that is, man. Central Pennsylvania in all its glory. Uh, it's about oh, yeah. two hours north or northwest of Philly, um, about a two and a half hours west of New York City. Gotcha. Jake, so are you originally from Pennsylvania? I am indeed. What part? Uh, right, Schuylkill County, yeah. Schuylkill, Schuylkill. Born and raised. Gotcha. I grew up in uh, Lancaster. Oh, not too far, yeah. Yes. Yep. So, and then you got Zach all the way down there in good old Hanover. Uh, playing the banjo and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Isn't that the truth? So, Jake, what are you guys – What are you guys doing with your club during this time of – this crazy, unprecedented time that we're experiencing? So it, it's been it's been definitely interesting. Uh, it, the the biggest thing that we've been trying to do is keep them engaged. Uh, so obviously, like you're not going to get the quality of training that you're going to. It doesn't matter where you do it. We have been trying. We uh we have coaches doing virtual sessions over Zoom, uh, like we're doing now almost. Um, where the we have, there's an instructor who's showing ball skills and the kids are following along. Um, at home, um, we're also trying to keep them engaged with uh just you know, more fun things like uh, we had a trick shot contest, which is pretty cool. Uh, do uh, competitions like juggling competitions, things that you can like take videos of, send them in. Um, so trying to just trying to keep them playing as much as possible when, you know, you're stuck in your backyard. Yeah. So we're having to, I mean, in a sense, we're having to be a little bit innovative now with the technology piece and trying to find new ways to keep kids engaged. But I think at the same, same time, I think we can all agree that we're really not doing anything different than we would do on a normal day-in, day-out basis with our kids. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're not trying to create new exercises or drills for, for these players to do. Everything stays the same during this. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, regardless of whether there's a pandemic or not, you're not going to develop only if you're only practicing at training. You know what I mean? Clubs – in the U.S. at least, don't aren't together enough to further your development only at training. So, I mean, I'm sure you guys were just like me. You, you were practicing by yourself at home a lot of the time too. Not always goalkeeping related. Sometimes you're just doing, you know, keep-ups or, or working on your touch or whatever. But um, it's just we're forced to do that now as opposed to having it be an addition. So how important do you think it is for a goalkeeper to – be doing things beyond just their goals, their skill set of catching a ball or um, taking goal kicks or whatever it may be just around goalkeeping. How important is it for them to expand their horizons? Oh, I mean, incredibly important. And, and I didn't realize exactly how important it was until I got to college. Um, I, I, I was very lucky in that I was almost forced into playing the field um, because I was in a, a situation in high school where 
the keeper in front of me was, was really, you know, far along developed. I was not a four-year starter in high school. Um, but my foot skills were developed enough where I was playing left back, uh, which was an adventure because anyone who knows me knows I do not like to run. <laughs> but uh, it, 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 was de- it was so crucial for my development, even as a keeper, not only because, you're, you know, you're working on your touch, you're on the ball, uh, but you're also you're getting a feel for what it's like being a defender that you're, you know, when you're in the goalkeeping position, you're screaming at to get back. You know what I mean? You, you feel their pain a little bit more than, than um, had you just been, you know, in the 18-yard box your whole life. Right. And, Zach, I don't know if Witter did this with you, but he did it with me. He a couple times threw me in at, like, center back, just in a training session. Just we were doing some build-out stuff. And uh, he just wanted me to work with the back four a little bit and just kind of work on moving the ball from one side to another. It wasn't like he's throwing me into a game and going, hey, hey, Cole, I want you to go in and, and guard this uh, <laughs> six-foot-three forward here and, and do something about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, listen, Jake knows me and Cole knows me. Widow, if you're listening to this, I am so sorry. I, I am not one to ever play the field. Um, I think Widow would have probably cringed when he, when he heard you say that. Um, not my forte. Now, I can do it. Uh, it's just not at the college level, especially in the Peace Act, like not my forte. Uh, he, Cole, your first semester in the spring, we went out and played Wilmington, and he took me along, and I had to play on the field. It was bad. Dude, it was bad. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot that he had you play on the field that game. Not a pretty sight. At all. Zach, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I would pay a lot of money to watch you play a PSAC game on the field because that would just I would be do it. I would just go, I would, I would just, you know, I would tap back into my anger issues. But um, <laughs> Jake, I don't know if you were there, dude, the ship faculty game. Like, actually, oh, I was there. Oh, I did yeah. Score you scored a that game. Yeah. Yeah. The little low, low dribbler to the corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Look, you could have uh, just lied to all these people, said it was a banger, but whatever. No, nah, yeah, no, it's not. Uh, dude, my physique's not meant for running. Um, and as we've said before on this podcast that, uh, you know, obviously goalkeeping fitness is critical to success, but my fitness was never, ever good. It, just, it wasn't there. I just – I have two parents who are very round. My entire family is round, and therefore, surprisingly enough, I'm this, probably one of the skinnier ones in my family. So, um, but, yeah, for those who know me, like, fitness is never my strong suit. Um, Working with Brad was always a challenge at Millersville because, like, he was supremely fit, and then I was not. So he would get frustrated with me when I couldn't, like, keep up on, like, our morning runs or that kind of stuff. But I will say, like, when I decided to play, I, it was something that I dove 100%. Like, I would do, you know, two, three workouts a day just to, you know, get my fitness back to where it needed to be. And, Jake, you can kind of attest to that. Like, the fitness at the, at the next level, it, it, it definitely plays a role in, into your performance, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think, I think part of the issue is that I, th- I think in the U.S., especially, we get into this thing where, uh, you know, a kid at five or six indicates he wants to be a keeper, right? And that kid will play keeper until he retires. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They, if he's the only guy on the team that – because for, you know, nine years out of my development, I was the only keeper on my team. So it's not like I was, I was getting out and playing center back or, or left back or whatever just to, to get touches and stuff. I was in the box every game. Didn't matter, you know, score or, or game situation. Didn't matter. Um, and I think that that's a, a side effect of that is that you're going to run into fitness issues, you know, by the time you hit, hit high school or college because that's all you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like, I'm like you, I'm, I'm naturally, I was not the most athletic guy. I really had to work at it. Um, and I think that was one of the things that in, in, in defense of, of guys like us, I think that's something that you can actually work on. I think there are things that are much harder to develop than athleticism. Uh, height, that's hard to develop. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, I didn't have that either. But, you know, like work ethic, attitude, you know, mentality, yeah. things like that are, are much harder to change than, than dropping a couple LBs and, and going on some runs. Yeah. I think I dropped like 40, 45 pounds my first year playing in Mowersville. I was trying to keep up. Yeah, and just kind of – I mean, I, I can't do that. When I, I, I didn't play right away when I got to Mowersville. I coached, and I had some knee problems. And then after I got that fixed, you know, then I was – Widow was like, hey, you won't play? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know. <laughs> but yeah. knee problems even worse because then no, you can't, you, you know, work it out. You listen to this. So he called me into his office like the first week of preseason. And uh, he was like, hey, like, we had a couple of injuries with our goalkeepers and we were, we only had like one or two, you know, and if one of them got hurt, we were kind of, we were kind of in a, <clears throat> a bad spot. <clears throat> and uh, so he called and I was the coach, right? So I, I was the goalkeeper's coach there, but I was a student, you know, I didn't, I was still enrolled there full time and um, I was working at, like local clubs and stuff, but he comes, he calls me in and he goes, all right, listen, he goes, how much eligibility you got left? I'm like, I think I got two years since I, I did play and then transferred. Um, and, you're, you know, you're on the clock at that point. So I'm like, I got two years left. Um, he goes, all right. He goes, well, you've hopped in a couple of times during training. And, like, dude, he's like, you're not bad. You know, he's like, you're not great, but you're not bad. He's like, and we really have a goalkeeping dilemma right now. So how about you join the team for us this fall? And then at the end of the fall, you know, we'll just put you back into the, into the coaching role. I was like, sure, dude, absolutely. He goes, all right, well, obviously, like, with Millersville, like the fitness test is one of those things that every player has to pass. Everyone has to do. So he looks at me and goes, all right. Um, how about like, how about you go and run a mile in like, I don't know, seven minutes. And I was like, Oh dude, I don't think that's going to happen, bro. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> and like we both just chucked up laughing. I'm like, dude, like there's no way. Like there was at that time in my life there was no way. And then the next year I had, to, I had to run a two mile, which I failed twice and then it passed final my third time. But yeah, it was um, not, never my strong suit. But yeah, you picked the wrong school to come in unfit. <laughs> yeah, like Widow's, Widow's fitness tests are famous or infamous, I guess. Yeah, I know. And, and we're actually going to have him on. I don't know what episode, but he's coming on. Oh, and, I will be tuning in for that. Yeah. And I, and I, I think he could roast me pretty hard from a fitness. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think he could roast both of us. Yeah, Cole, we, we, you weren't any better than me. Your no. Came in. I still remember the first time I went in and sat in his office, and he's like, yeah, you could stand to lose about 20 pounds. Dude, I said that I to like, you. I was actually fit when I met you. I was actually yeah. in like, good shape, and that's why I said to you, I'm like, bro, you got to yeah. trim, trim some LBs, bro. It was, a, it was a harsh reality, just like out of the blue. Yeah. Just straight up saying that to me, and I was like, oh, well, okay. Like, yeah. I guess that's uh, that's something I can work on. But I mean, Zach, you, you alluded to the fact earlier of like jokingly saying that we can teach talent when or uh, teach height when we have obviously. Yeah. There's no way we can do anything with height. But I think at the end of the day, I think a lot of goalkeepers need to realize is that yeah, you might not be the tallest goalkeeper around, but take a look at Nick Romando. I mean, what? I know. We talked about him a lot. Plus, too. Twenty plus years in the league, and I mean, the man was played out of his shoes and beyond his height and had a very successful career. And I think 
as goalkeepers and especially young goalkeepers, they need to realize that if you work hard and focus on the areas of the game that you can be very successful, you can be successful at any level. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, man, like for me, I understand that I understood my role. And when you're talking about someone who doesn't understand their role, they quickly become a really crappy teammate. Um, And that's another side of it that, Jake, I think you were excellent with after you had your concussions and stuff that you not only you became a sponge when you were working with me and you, and you really helped me out a lot. And I think I taught you a lot without really trying to teach you a lot. Um, but you just kind of pick things up, but you also became an awesome teammate on top of that, like a more of an, of an awesome teammate and how that helped the program. You may not realize, but you know, that's something that myself and, and, and Jeremy would say definitely helped that culture of that program was, just being a good teammate. So there's a lot of ways you can make up that in that aspect as a, as a person and as a player, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I am, I'm a ripe old height of five foot nine. So I, uh, I was, I was never even like in the average height of any of the keepers that I was ever playing with, but you can, there are so many different levels to our position where where height does not matter you know positioning doesn't matter how tall you are if your positioning is good you can get to an awful lot of shots mm-hmm. um without that extra two or three inches that you'd like but i mean and athleticism is another thing i got i got so much better as a goalkeeper when i developed a little bit of athleticism when i got to college because you, you, you know you, you gain two three four steps which you never had before in your life and as long as your technique's good i mean you can, like I said, you can almost save any ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like working with other different style of goalkeepers changes your perspective on goalkeeping, but it's just a different perspective for them and how you coach them. Every goalkeeper might be a little bit, you know, different, and that's fine. But I think what makes a goalkeeper coach good is figuring out what makes them tick and then really pushing their strengths you know, recognizing those strengths and pushing them. So like, if you have someone like myself or, or like you, Jake, or even like Matt, you know, harder, I, I think you have to coach them a little bit differently than the way you coach uh, like, like someone like Garrett, who's tall and lanky um, because their strengths are just different. So when it came down to technical skill, your technical skills were there. So what we tried to do is just start to, to expand that bubble, you know, that we talk a ton about, um, you know, I said, like, your, whoever's in this frame or your box or your bubble, we try to make your bubble bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you can do that, a little bit here, footwork, technical skill, you know, you're still developing that goalkeeper to be much better, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, that you can make up for that lack of pipe, which you're gaining inches then anyway, right? So that's what we kind of talk about, Cole, when we talk about Nick Romano's. I mean, his bubble was massive. And, and he did really well with flight and services, too, just reading things and predicting things. So. To me, I, I, I do think, um, you know, uh, the growth of the bubble has to be understood as a goalkeeper coach. So, Jake, how do you teach that to your young goalkeepers? You know, how, how, how do you just, you know, for me, it was like my dad. That's all that I had when I was a kid, you know. Uh, he just put like a little arc out and he's like, this is your, your area. This is how you shuffle. You know, how do you teach, you know, your younger players uh, in your club just basic goalkeeping and, and expanding their bubble? Well, so I combine it with a philosophy that I, I learned in, for the goalkeeping position when I was really young, which was you should, you should make it uh, an imperative to always save 
the shots that you should save. Now, that could mean a lot of different things. But basically, it's those shots that are right at you you should hold. Those shots that are two or three steps you should always save. And when, when you stress that to young kids, when you say everything that's right at your chest you should be holding, mm-hmm. or everything that's within those, that, what you like to call that bubble, and, and if you keep it small at first and you say everything in this bubble must be safe, I think they, 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 they flip a switch where as soon as they see what they can do within that bubble, they become more confident when the ball's a little bit outside that bubble, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So, so by stressing, by stressing the box itself, you're almost, you're giving them the tools they need to move just outside the bubble or the box. Mm-hmm. And that was actually something that you, you taught me that, that bubble idea was, yeah. was new to me when you told it to me. But like I said, it fit in with that other philosophy that I had, which was, yeah. uh, it was this old English guy that told me if, if you save every shot you should and two, you shouldn't, you're going to win every game, which is probably wrong. But it's an interesting philosophy, right? It's interesting to think like about. That. Yeah, and right. if if you think about the game like that, it becomes much so much less scary than trying to tell yourself you need to save every shot. You it's know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely scary. It's like yeah. it's being like it's being like Michael Jordan saying, "I have to make every shot." Like that's stressful. Right. Oh yeah. You know, you and just. I, I mean, take the shot. <laughs> so you just yeah. take the shot, and you see what whatever the outcome is. What the outcome is. Right. And I like beyond that bubble, I like to tell goalkeepers too. I, I like to think of them picturing themselves in a door frame and that door frame changes depending on their, their height and their stature and that sort of thing. So like Zach, your door frame might be a little bit smaller than mine where mine might be just a bit taller because I'm just taller. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what I like to tell a lot of younger goalkeepers and even goalkeepers at the college level is think of yourself in a door frame and you should be saving about 95% of those shots hopefully a hundred, but I, yeah. I like to say 95% of those shots inside that door frame. And then we can start to expand that door frame and the percentages start to go down. And we can say that obviously as it gets farther out, we're going to save less shots. And again, Jake, that goes off of your point of we should really focus on the shots that we can save. And beyond that, if we get to the ones that we necessarily shouldn't be saving, then fantastic. But we should definitely be focusing on the saves we should, um, that we should be making and making those as effectively as possible. Does that like, you know, when you're coaching with like a younger player, like and you're starting your development phase, you know, does that set like a standard without saying, Hey, these are our standards. Like it sets like kind of like a bar for them and it gives them something that's obtainable so they can grow on. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the hope. And, and it's tough because I've only been doing this for two years. So I haven't really seen like a big arc of, of growth yet in terms of age and, and how that, that, you know, corresponds over time. But I think, I think by, by shading to the positive and the more attainable, I think, cause like I said, I think young keepers get it in their head that they have to save every shot. Yeah. And, and what they fail to realize is that, you know, sports psychologists and sports scientists have, have frequently said that we play the toughest position in sports. Right. And, and to have this mindset where you have to get to everything is, is, it, it's almost dangerous. You know what I mean? If, if people are tr- I mean, you want to strive for perfection, but a lot of the shots that go in on, on, on keepers are not always our fault. Um, and, and I think by, by shading it to get everything that you should get, I, I think it, it, it helps their mentality. It helps their, their, their attitude 
when when shots do go in, they're not getting down as quickly. Uh, they're not hanging their heads as much. And, it, you know, it, especially in youth soccer, I mean, there are a lot of goals that go in in the first five, ten minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. And if you start hanging your head, I mean, it can get out of hand quickly. Uh, so even just that, that little the, – the way you present those types of things, I think, makes a big difference. Jake, that was deep. No, oh, thanks. That was good. Every yeah. – even no, blind schools find it not every actually like a while. proud coach member right now. Like I, I help train Jake and teach Jake, and that made me feel really good that that you have that per that perspective on coaching now because I don't think you had that perspective when you first started with me. So oh no, I was a I was a highly negative negative uh, feeder. I you know I I kind of I kind of got the, the 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 push I needed when when balls went in which is yeah. not always the best way to look at things. You know what I mean? I think yeah. when you shade positive, I think, you know, negative outcomes are a lot easier to get over and things like that. So what's that, uh, Cole, I was actually listening to inside the 18th day. I know I'm another podcast shout out, but, um, I was listening to inside the 18 and they were talking about ants today, which is that automated negative like response system that your brain has. And like, Okay. How like Jake like, at Shippensburg, they have Chris Carlton who works a lot with their teams and they talk about positive self-talk, but um, that getting rid of that negative mind and switching it to that positive self-talk, how important is that for you? Not only just during it as a player, but also when you make that shift to real world and a job or a, a coaching career. I mean, it is so, this is Zach. I think you can even remember back to when I first came into Millersville, I was very negative. I mean, just it took me a while to get get past the mistakes I was making and forget about them. And I think part of becoming and going more into a positive mindset is having the short-term memory and forgetting about the mistakes you made and focusing on the things that you did well and not dwelling on the mistakes. I think that's that's an important thing is when you make a mistake and you have these negative thoughts – is, uh, Yo, yeah, definitely. And I think it's a very <laughs> important distinction he just made right there. Right. Was yeah. I think I think you don't just forget mistakes. You know what I mean? I think you I think you have to make it a point not to dwell on them because I think it's right. important to remember your mistakes so that we don't make them again. But dwelling on them is, I think, what what the dangerous part is, especially for younger goalkeepers. Because, um, like I said, it, it, in youth soccer, especially, I mean, goals go in a lot of times very early in games. And if you're hanging your head the rest of that match, I mean, who knows what the final, the final score could be. Whereas if you can accept it, move on, you're, you're going to limit the damage. Right. And I think it's, we've got to, it's that dwelling on moment that goalkeepers struggle in. If they're sitting there and not having the short-term memory and dwelling on it, that's when mistake after mistake after mistake and after mistake Compounding keep happening. Yeah, yeah. and you just mistakes. you just go down a hill that you're never going to be able to get out of. So it's Slippery it's slope. going okay. I made a mistake, and going okay. I need to just push that back and push it back to the back of my mind. And once I'm at a point, maybe at halftime or at the end of the game, that I can go okay, and I can I can look at it and analyze it a little bit. That's a good time to do it. But yeah. in the middle of play is never a good time to think about the mistake you just made. And the reason, the, the reason part of our position is so hard is that, you know, if you're, if you're a forward, right, and you miss a wide-open net, you might get on the ball in the next 30 seconds. But the chances are, as a goalkeeper, we let a shot in, 
if our team's playing well in front of us, we might not do anything for 10, 15, 20, even sometimes a half an hour. And, and it's so hard to just to tell a young goalkeeper, oh, you know that, that critical error you just made that resulted in a goal? Oh, don't, don't think dwell about on it. it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's so hard, and it's laughable to, to, you know, to expect them to just, you know, just forget about something like that. And, but I think that's where you have to get into the positive mindset of, okay, that, this terrible thing just happened, but I've never done that before, and I'm going to make sure I don't do it again, and I'm going to get on with this. But it's so hard to try, especially, like I said, younger goalkeepers, to try try and tell them, oh, it's okay, because you're going to sit there and think about it for 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, right. Jake. What were some ways that you learned how to how to change from that negative mindset to that positive mindset as you entered into the coaching slash you know uh, DOC of goalkeeping type of role? Well, it was a lot of the stuff. It's the positive psychology and stuff that that Chris Carlton taught us. Where I, I think you have to get goalkeepers to remember how many times they've done something correctly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we we like I said, we have a very tough position. Honestly. The, the thing we do to warm up, which is, you know, volley the hands right to your chest, right? If you took an average person off the street, I'd, I'd say probably maybe half of them would be able to catch a ball and hold it every time for tr- 10 tries. But I try and remind keepers, especially younger ones, that they're, doing, they're holding it 9 or 10 times out of 10 most of the time they're at training. So, you know, if, one, if you have a high ball that goes through your hands and goes in the net, I, I try and re- remind them, remember how many times you've done that right. You've done it wrong one time now. Focus and don't let it happen again. And I think, I think by, by, like I said, shading positively, it at least helps them not dwell on it. They still might be beating themselves up after the game, which, hey, yeah. if it's after the game and you're not dwelling on your mistake during play, go ahead and beat yourself up a little bit. But I think – I, like I said, it's just that shading positive instead of shading negative, which I think is much easier to do. And like yeah. I said, I used to do it all the time. I, it's, a, it's a funny reference because uh, I think it's interesting when you, let's just say you have like a U11, U12 goalkeeper who you're working with developing at the appropriate age of the content you're supposed to be teaching in your curriculum, right? But there's always those parents that are like, oh, we got to practice those high balls. You know, he needs to be on up top. Like what? We need to teach him like, no, like, okay, 10, 11, 12 years old, do you really think you need to be having him do extension diving in the upper corner? Like, let's be realistic. Parents do, though. The parents are like, this is what we need. <laughs> yeah, because they know. Well, here's the funny thing. I always, t- I always try to remind my parents, like, on the recruiting process when I have kids come for visits, is like, listen, the main, the main time I talk to parents is right now, and then on senior day. I don't want you to be like, oh, talking to me at tailgates, like, oh, hey, like, interesting strategy there, coach, like, no, I, I'm going to walk away from that conversation because I don't come into your business office and tell you how to run your business. So right. don't come into my office and tell me how to run my business. You know what I'm saying? So like, and I think that's way worse at the youth game than it is at the college game. And Jake, I'm sure you've had that experience where parents have come to you and been like, we need to work on, well, you know, high balls. We need services from 30 out or, you know, but I think setting the standard and reiterating that to your players is going to be critical to keeping them grounded in the idea that you're kind of sharing is, you know, consistency of the bubble, consistency of those nine catches instead of that one missed. Listen, we're, none of us are perfect. So um, definitely going to be something that to, to think about and to continue to, continue to think about um, 
as your career goes on and as our careers go on, that having that slightly positive mindset, which I say like out of a 10, I'm a six, like I'm slightly positive, but I try to be realistic about stuff too. But, um, or like Cole, uh, Cole, like Clark, our buddy Clark, who coaches at classics, he's like four, four, two standard, you know, like, (laughs) but like also realistic. So Jake, I like, I love that idea. And I I don't know if I ever taught that to you, but I'm I'm glad that you have that perspective and it seems things have, I haven't worked with you in a couple of years, but it seems like things are going really well. So um, what were some of your biggest struggles though, when you left uh, college and went into this role? What do you think? Was oh some man. Well, I, I think it was, it came with positives, but I think the biggest negative for me was that when you're in college, it seems like, you know, every player's soccer's at the forefront of everyone's mind. You know what I mean? And the, the, the kids that are in middle school and high school, they're not always soccer is not always at the forefront of their mind. You know what I mean? I think that's the toughest part is making sure they're engaged with what you're doing at training for that, you know, those two or two and a half hours or whatever it may be. And, and and like I said, you're fighting through some of the other stuff that is going on at home or in school. And, and, and it's, it's just not a challenge that I faced in college because, you know, college soccer is a big commitment. People who are there, they want to be there. Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe mom or dad's forcing them to play. They don't really want to be there or there's a big test that they're worried about and, and their head's not in it. And I think it's getting those, those players engaged. That's been, that's been the toughest challenge for me. Um, and then I won't even get into those, you know, I, I, I love them, but the, the, the six and seven year old keepers that are, that are all running around picking dandelions and stuff. <laughs> it, it's, it's such a switch. Cause I went right from college kids right to that and it was it, i i you just have to laugh it off a little bit sometimes yeah. but but that's the biggest challenge for it's me. humble though and, and and grounded as a coach though when you work with college and then you go down and do the little ones yeah oh yeah because they, they don't care how much you know you know what i mean they, they they care about how you present the information and 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 how engaging you are and how active you are with with your coaching methods so it, it definitely i think it, it really pushed me along development wise um but man was it tough at first now, Jake, with your with your younger goalkeepers, are you how much are you having them serve, or are you just kind of having them? What are you having them serve for? Are you having them serve at all? I mean, I think there's us as goalkeepers, Zach, you and I, especially at the college level, and Jake, when you were there, it was it's imperative for goalkeepers to be able to serve on their own and not have a, have a coach. And even at the high school and, and upper club levels, it's imperative that a goalkeeper be able to serve a ball. So how much are you asking of your players at those younger ages as they're developing to actually serve? So I, I actually have them serve quite a bit, especially the younger levels, because I, it's, it's multifaceted. One, I think they learn a lot of ball skills um, and, and they work on their technique while they're serving. So it's helping the server. But it's also tough for, for you know, us as, as adult males to gauge what the level of, of, a, of a shot is at six seven or eight years old so by letting them hit the balls there you're, you're helping the server but in a way you're also helping the goalkeeper who's who's training because they're you know they're seeing a shot at their level and it's not like you know we as coaches are peppering shots in I think it actually swings the other way I don't know your guys experience but when I'm working with younger goalkeepers I find myself almost taking it too easy on them uh, for fear of hurting them or, or, yes. or not trying to challenge them too much 
when they're actually begging for, for a little bit more pace on the ball or, or a little bit more extension on the dive or whatever it may be. Um, so I think it helps both ways. And as Zach taught me in college, when you have someone else serving, you can coach a heck of a lot better than if you're trying to serve and coach at the same time. Oh because in order to serve properly, it, ta- you know, it takes mental effort. It, 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 takes, it takes attention to serve well. Um, so just handing the ball to someone else, it, it, you'd be. I mean, I was certainly surprised at how much it freed you up to notice the little things. Yeah, I, I give a lot of credit to you for doing a lot of serving when I worked with you. Oh man, oh I, I, I was hitting like was 300, 400 volleys a day. <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, but I tell you what, and I said this to to um, Matt and Garrett on their episode that I give you a lot of credit because it did free me up a lot to give them more coaching and. Uh, having two of us working with them, I think really is what made them take the strides in that how quickly they did because they had, you know, two guys that could really just solely focus on them and help them. So you think a one-to-one ratio there, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I don't especially like, just I, I don't the amount that. of little things you pick up when, cause I mean, obviously when I'm serving, you're able to pick up most of them, but then the things that you're watching for are not always going to be the same things I'm watching for. And I, we, we caught so many little things that were wrong that we were able to fix pretty easily. They were really coachable too, which, which helped. Um, and I, yeah, they got so much better, even just, even just the, the year and a half or two years that I was coaching there. Um, it, it was, it was pretty amazing to watch. I always loved watching growth. I think it's one of my favorite things and we can talk about that for forever. Really. I love mm-hmm. that topic and, you know, when I was with you, Jake, I was getting my master's in education. And so it all kind of tied together on how I teach, um, you know, and, and teach the growth and watch the growth, observe the growth. And one of the things for me is that I try really hard to highlight that growth and show that growth to you as the player. It's like, hey, man, like this is where you were and now this is where you are. And I did that with Matt uh, with his footwork that one spring season. And I just really try to highlight his growth and like you just try to map it out for him like dude this is where you were and then this is where you're at now like I hope you see your growth and I hope that you feel good about your growth and you know for for me that's what makes me continue to want to show up every day um I actually have a a little a, a friend of mine Micah Collins who's on a previous episode who used to coach Michigan State he's in this, he's from the same hometown as me and I meet up with him in a, in a couple of days and um I'm interested to pick his brain about this because there's times where I'm like, man, I'm tired. Like I'm me personally that like I have to do the same session again. I got to run the same thing again with these same kids who don't care. Like what keeps you going? For me, it's, it's hopefully showing that growth. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what he has to say about it because he is very uh, soft-spoken and introverted. So he has a different perspective on life. And I do think that that changes sometimes of how you're motivated. So, um, Jake, one piece of advice, as we're starting to wrap up here, one piece of advice for uh, goalkeepers that are looking to make a jump from being a player then to a coach, which we have not asked that question yet, and no. an interesting one. Uh, I think, I think the, the, the toughest part uh, for me was, was trying to – I think you – on the surface of it, you always want a coach that's invested in, and, and all that stuff. But I think one of the toughest parts for me was kind of removing myself, uh, separating myself from, from what those guys were doing, because I think as players, you're, you, we get so caught up in 
in each little individual moment and each mistake we make, like I was, like I said, when we were shading negative, that I think the, the toughest part for me was to think big picture all the time. Um, when, you know, the, the kid I'm coaching lets in, uh, you know, an easier shot. I think sometimes I want to beat myself up. Right. Um, because I didn't show him this skill, you know, properly or well enough. And I think the, the toughest part for me was, like I said, making the, the switch from each individual moment in training, while it's important, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I think when you, when you, you talked about growth earlier, that was, that was the biggest thing for me, which helped me get through that, which was, uh, Zach, you remember you had me taking shot percentages, right? So early when we started that, or, or save percentages rather, when, when we started tracking that, I mean, they were in the, I think, what were they, like low 80s or something like that. And, and you're thinking about that and you're like, oh, that is, that's not superb at all. And then I, I was getting caught up in each day when it was in the low 80s and I'm thinking, oh my God, like, I, I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to help these guys out. But when you, it, when you stick to your curriculum and it, Zach, it was your curriculum at that, at that time. Yeah, uh, but when you just keep plugging away and you see that growth over the course of over even just even just the one fall season, I mean they went from low eighties to high eighties, low nineties in in you know two three months. And I think the 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 toughest part for me was at the beginning seeing that end goal because I, I was a player. I I literally mid season had switched from player to coach, and I couldn't make that happen. So. Um, it just seeing the, the growth at the end of it really, really helped out. And that would be my advice to everyone else. Awesome. Well, Jake, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, just having a chat about goalkeeping as it is. So really appreciate that. Um, we're going to take a short little break here and then Zach and I will come back and wrap this episode up. So thanks Jake. Thank you for, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me guys. It was awesome. This is the first time we went to a commercial break, <laughs> but we don't have any commercials. <laughs> I know it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have something that we could put in there. It's just a little yeah, like, like Aviata Sports, sponsored by Aviata Sports. <laughs> yeah, a little sponsor, just a little yeah, no little, little blurb plug in there. there, a little little plug yeah. for Aviata. I've been Maybe listening some... to uh, Inside the Eighteen and like yeah. every day, and like I'm all caught up. But like they have like so many sponsors, and I'm like, well, yeah. we'll get there one day. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll yeah. be there. But how how so, good was um, Jake, man? Oh, he was. I mean, for how young he was and is and just how young he is within the game and the coaching world is is pretty incredible for um the amount of knowledge he has and how in depth he was able to go in some of those topics and really um be descriptive and um what he was talking about was pretty incredible yeah i mean for someone who's so early in their coaching career still and to have the perspective and mindset that he's already in i genuinely think he's got a really great future ahead of him and um, I can't thank him enough, enough for coming on and, um, you know, getting to work with him was so much fun. He took so many things away, um, like stressors away from me. So like I could coach more. So like one of the things we talked about in the episode, you know, you know, a couple minutes ago is he said that you, I, I had the opportunity to focus more on what matters, which is the coaching piece where he would do a lot of the services. And it's funny. I was, I was listening to inside the 18 where 
uh, Dan Anderson was on from Camp Shutout, and he was talking about how each coach at Camp Shutout has multiple assistant coaches, like player assistant coaches who help out. And it just frees up the coach to be able to see more instead of having to serve more. And um, like now sitting here and thinking about it, I'm like, man, like how, how important was that? It's such a small right. little thing, but like it was so important. And, and, and that really um, helped with their growth. And just think about like those division one staffs that have all these assistant coaches and just to have an extra set of hands to serve a ball. Yeah, it's clutch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, and that transition is kind of made from the, the playing realm to the coaching realm. Um, I think for him, I think unfortunately it kind of happened at an unexpected time and he wasn't really, I don't think he really expected that he was going to be coaching as early as he was. Um, he wasn't expecting in, that. In his career. And he wasn't. It, it had to be tough to make that change from, man, I'm playing, I was literally just playing yesterday, and now I've got to become a coach. And I think to get thrown into it like that, it, it's got to be difficult, but he seems to have taken a lot of what he learned through playing away, which was good. Yeah. And I think, Zach, you and I, I think we have a little bit of a different path where we were kind of coaching as we were playing. And yeah. like you kind of had an in-between where you were playing <laughs> and then went to coaching and then went back to playing and then back to coaching. And I it's think – interesting pathway it was it was and then for me it was like I picked up some stuff with Todd Hofford doing some camps right out of high school um and was doing even some coaching while I was in high school and then kind of matured through that and then got the opportunity to play at Millersville and still doing some coaching in the meantime and helping out with Michelle Fisher and doing some camps and um the idea of things like that is, yeah. is as a young coach um is so critical to their immediate success at a younger age. And I think you don't really see an uptick in your career until you see that, that uh, maturity kind of come through. And that's what I like so much about, you know, talking with someone like Jake, who is so young in their career, but we've had discussions with like Todd on here and, yeah. you know, and he can just spew out this gold, this amazing velvet of, yeah. of words that you're just like, you just drool at. Cause you're like, Oh gosh, you're so awesome. You know, um, I mean, I do that with like anything I listen to, like from Lisa Cole and Tim Wassel, like they're like my idols, man. Like they're people that I aspire to continue to learn from. Right. Um, but like, it's funny that Jake has his perspective on life. That's so, um, beyond his years. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, he's so like in the moment about things and oh, yes. he has yeah. no idea that it's such a great balance. Uh, I think it's just yeah. him as a person, but you know, the balance that you can have between maturity, learning plus doing. Yeah. Can be really cool. I think Omar Z is in that, in that groove right now where he's yeah. just absorbing, he's putting out content, but he's absorbing so much that's going on around him. And he's in his perspective on life. Cause I listen to his podcast too. Uh, yeah. Is really interesting because he is so well balanced and yet so young. Yeah. And I don't know if he knows that about himself, but like that's what makes him so fun to listen to. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he does his research too, which is nice. I like that piece. But yeah, no. So I think Jake definitely had a great uh, viewpoint on just goalkeeping and how to develop goalkeepers and some of the things that he's doing with his club or um, is always great. And I think he's, 
he's learning as he's going and um, what a position to be in to be a director of goalkeeping for your club at at his age and just to have that opportunity and I think he's going to learn yeah. so much and continue to grow and um, but no it was, it was a great great talk with Jake and I think there's just so much content from that that I'm hoping hoping people are able to pull out and use within their, within their career. So um, I'm kind of going a little sidebar here. Yeah. have a couple of upcoming episodes. So I, so I think, you know, as we're kind of progressing into more content and more episodes, I think that I have to say this Cole. like, I think this is hysterical. I was talking to my wife last night about this and like, obviously, you know, Liv, um, yep. my wife, for our listeners, my wife played college soccer. And, and um, so a little story about me and her is like she was the women's goalkeeper and I was one of the men's goalkeepers. Now she started, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't start that much, but like, she's like, she's way better than me, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like she's a much better goalkeeper than me. But so last night me and Cole were talking about some different perspectives that we can continue to have on the episode. I don't know what episode they're going to be on, but we're going to have my wife and Cole's fiance, Steph, um, on an episode, which I think is hysterical because we're going to get a really interesting episode out of that. And on top of that, uh, hopefully Mama Pam, Cole's mom, and my mom will be on an episode here soon um, talking about life as a mom of a goalkeeper because I actually think that's a challenge. I think that would be uh, – that's an interesting – both are going to be interesting topics. Yeah. I never really- thought about that, but thinking about being a mom of a goalkeeper and – all yeah. the crap talking that some of their parents do that when a goalkeeper lets a, you know, a ball go in and right. to hear all that. We might have to vet them before they come on so they don't completely destroy us. But Yeah, I feel like my mom's going to roast me. So is Liv. <laughs> oh, for sure. Steph, Steph's going to definitely roast me and my mom will have, exactly. have some things that she'll have to say. But, but yeah, so I think that's going to be interesting. And like, I'm, for me, I feel like in so many ways, I'm still absorbing different perspectives and trying to shape who I am. So it was interesting to hear from somebody who's learned from me uh, yeah. how to coach, which I didn't really expect that to come out of that relationship with Jake, but it was interesting to hear nonetheless. But Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Zach, I think we can pretty much wrap up this episode, and I think it was a great conversation that we had That's with Jake. And- I love sports. <laughs> Be nice. Be nice. So, Zach, thanks again. Yeah, dude. And uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Set Position. Peace out.